0: hello everyone and welcome to the life schooling podcast i'm diana a homeschooling mom of two and
1: i'm vanessa an unschooling mom of two and we believe life teaches us everything we need to know
0: On today's episode, we're going to go over the history of education and homeschooling in America, and reasons why we believe that the school system is not designed to build leaders. I'm going to start off with some facts from AmericanBoard.org about the history of education in America. The first schools in the 13 colonies opened in the 17th century. Boston Latin School was the first public school opened in the United States in 1635. To this day, it actually remains the nation's oldest public school. Early public schools in the United States did not focus on academics like math or reading. Instead, it taught the virtues of family, religion, and community. Girls were usually taught how to read but not how to write in early America, and the division between white males and pretty much everyone else was evident from the beginning. By the mid-19th century, academics became the sole responsibility of public schools in the south public schools were not common during the 1600s and early 1700s it was only affluent families who could pay private tutors to educate their children at home and homeschooling was common during this time public schooling in the south was not widespread until the reconstruction era after the american civil war common schools emerged in the 18th century These schools educated students of all ages in one room with one teacher. Students did not attend these schools for free. Parents paid tuition and provided housing for the school teacher or contributed other commodities in exchange for their children being allowed to attend the school. And then
1: there came along a man named Horace Mann, and he was actually a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, and he became the secretary uh, of the Board of Education in Massachusetts. And Horace Mann thought that there had to be a better way for the school system, that there was a more efficient way to do it. So him and a couple of other representatives got together and they traveled to a place called Prussia, which is modern day Germany. And when they went to go see this style of schooling that they had over there, they really liked it. They thought it was very efficient. And when they came back, they lobbied to have the Prussian model adopt, adopted here in the United States. So in 1846, the first state law made it mandatory for kids to go to school. And we adapted the Prussian model in Massachusetts first and eventually into the rest of the United States. And that was after the Civil War is when it started integrating into all of the rest of the states in, in America. You might ask, so what's the Prussian model? Right. So like, what is what is the model that that was so amazing that America decided that we should have that model, too? So after the Prussians in 1806 were defeated by Napoleon in war, it was decided that the reason that they lost the war is because the soldiers were thinking too much for themselves instead of following orders. So they decided that they wanted to make sure that it didn't happen again. And a new eight-year system of schooling was created. And here they taught reading, writing, math. But they also taught duty, discipline, respect for authority, and the ability to follow orders. So basically, the entire purpose of the system in Prussia, which is now uh, Germany, was to convince every individual that the king was always right and must be obeyed. And it instilled loyalty to the crown and prepared like the men for the military. So they found it necessary to squeeze out all independent thinking from the masses. And it was defined for the child, what they should learn, how they should learn it, how long to think about it. um, And basically no individual thought was included in there. So that was what the Prussian model. That's how it, that's how it got started.
0: Wow. That's insane. When I read that, I couldn't believe that's where our system started. It's like it was designed to control people.
1: Yeah, definitely the original purpose. So it wasn't designed like for the good of the individual. It was designed for the good of the government. And it's crazy because we don't realize that that is the system that we're still we're still working with here in America. And actually. Mm-hmm. One of the creators, he wasn't a creator of the Prussian model, but he was a very heavy influencer, and his name was Johann Fitch. And this is one of his most famous quotes. Ready? It says, the schools must fashion the person and fashion him in such a way that he simply cannot will otherwise than what you wish him to will. Now, this guy influenced that model heavily. He was one of the like, main, main ones. And Along with that quote, he has so many other ones. And if you do a little research on him, Johan Fitch, you'll see um, that he just wasn't a very great, <laughs> great guy. And he is basically the creator of the system that our children are in today.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I came across something similar in my research. According to an article published by com on the Prussian model of public schooling controlling the masses, the Prussian educational system sought to take education out of the hands of family and church with five key goals in mind. One, obedient workers for the mines; Two, obedient soldiers for the army. Three, submissive civil servants to government. Four, submissive clerks to industry. And five, citizens who thought alike about major issues. So basically, they were trying to create robots. Yeah, it's It's like building robots and followers instead of
1: being designed to build leaders and individual thinkers. So, the system raises obedient children who turn into adults who believe that authority figures or people with higher degrees than them are, in a sense, better and therefore need to be listened to more than one listens to their own intuition. So, instead of listening to your own internal guidance and intuition, for twelve years of so much possibility and freedom, it's taken away from our children. The system raises obedient children who then turn into adults who not only overvalue authority figures, because I I, I truly believe yes, we should have respect for authority. But that doesn't mean that we have to suppress our internal guidance and our intuition just because an authority figure says something should be this way or that something, that something is the truth. Uh, I think that our internal guidance is more important than that. And going through the school system for 12 years teaches children to suppress that internal guidance as much as possible and to only listen to authority. And if they deviate from that, they're wrong. They're wrong for it and they're punished for it. And it just, it's so wrong because it's something that's so natural for us to, to know at such a young age, it's suppressed. And then we get to age 18 when we graduate school and we're wondering, uh, why don't I know what, like what my
0: intuition is trying to tell me? What is an intuition? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it's like anti education because I don't think there's really anything wrong with, you know, offering education to a society, but don't make it so one sided. Don't make it so like that everybody has to be the same. Like it it could be so different. Like it could be just a place where people get to know other cultures and get to know about so many different things. And it's just very one. One sided. That's the best way I could think to explain it. Basically, this
1: system is designed to get a lot of people to do the same exact thing and to suppress what they themselves know that they should be doing. So, school goes against, there are three basic human principles, and the system goes against all three of them. The number one human principle is that humans are naturally different and diverse and need to be allowed to express those differences. And our system is based on conformity instead and um, sameness. So it's not okay to be different and diverse, and it's not okay to go against the grain. You have to conform and you have to follow the crowd. It's basically what's taught in the system. The number two human principle is curiosity, which is um, suppressed in school because... You're not, you don't really have the time to be curious. Not only are you not really allowed to be curious, but you you don't have the time to be curious. You are doing schoolwork from eight in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Once you get home and have to do all that homework, it's kind of like they do it on purpose. Like they don't allow any extra time. I feel for children to just sit and be curious. Like they're constantly flooding you with new Homework assignments and school work assignments and projects and this and that that they don't even yeah allow. there's
0: no time yeah there's no time they have to get a certain amount of things done every day, and and they have to get ready for testing and they have to get ready for a lot of things and it's this they don't have time for that
1: I feel like in a sense that maybe it's done on purpose like there's just it's meant to keep a child's mind so busy and congested that there's no time for individualized thought or uh, time for curiosity to arise about an alternative that they can be doing you know and the third uh, basic human right is creativity which is another thing that is suppressed in school we spoke about this in the last episode as well and there are some forms of creativity allowed in school like you know schools that have the arts you can take a few uh, classes with arts and and uh,
0: Yeah, and some teachers, I think, you know, some teachers are probably more creative and do uh, an awesome job at trying to make, you know, their classroom as creative as possible. Yes. But I think, yeah. Yeah. For the most part, it's not. <laughs> for the most part,
1: it's not. I mean, the system is not designed to do that. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to follow it and yeah. you're supposed to get ready for the standardized testing. Like, literally, that's the goal. And to create followers, not leaders. There are teachers that are exceptions and teachers that are exceptional teachers that go above and beyond. Because at the end of the day, good teachers are, they're mentors, they stimulate, they engage, um, they facilitate learning, and they allow for creativity. They allow the space and they make you feel safe when you express your creativity, your curiosity. Those are good teachers, um, not just to provide information and just to feed information that you're supposed to feed. So there are so, so many good teachers out there. And I have so much respect and love for teachers. My sister's a teacher. Uh, But unfortunately, the system doesn't allow for them to have the flexibility to be the teacher that they want to be. And if they want to keep their jobs, Mm -hmm. they have to follow that. You
0: know, they have to follow the system they have to show progression like yeah. the kids have to show progression. The kids have to show and on a test, you know? So yeah. yeah, that's their goal. At
1: the end of the day, how your kids
0: are doing, how a teacher's
1: classroom children are doing when it comes to testing, that is how she gets graded as a teacher. Uh, And that is Mm -hmm. how the school gets graded in general, which is what allows for funding for the school. The better the grade that you get, the more funding you receive. And so that is the ultimate goal of every school, to get every child to pass a standardized test and to get every teacher to teach them the material that they need to learn to pass a standardized test so that the school can get as best of a reputation and as best of a grade as possible to receive more funding.
0: Yeah. And they had to sell this idea to the public because this idea of public schools was new. This was not the way that life was. So when when this started happening, it really uprooted family life as it was known at the time. You know, uh, almost every single cultural tradition of the era, uh, it just changed it, you know, because it now all of a sudden children were in school and not at home helping and doing, you know, whatever it was that they did at, at that time, farming and, you know Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> but um it changes it changed the dynamic so changed of the family. And, yeah. And it marginalized females because females were not treated equally and also Native Americans and people of color and those that didn't speak English, it really affected that and one part that I saw when I was researching which I was like oh wow that's kind of like sick and like crazy like so it talks about how it was also used as a form of like natural selection I even hate to like say it but when I read this I was like it it does make sense like so that like you know have you ever heard of darwin's like natural selection that like the the fit mm-hmm. like in nature yeah survival that, of the like city. the strongest right yeah. like yeah the strongest are the ones that like pass on well basically it was like they said that it was like a system kind of for a, a human like natural selection in that like um the separation between like people who maybe had bad grades or had special like had to have like special education or like um I don't know, like the ones that were not considered those like straight A students or like it divided students in the classroom. And then it said that it was used actually for that function, like so that like those who were quote unquote like preferred or quote unquote like smarter, like they um, became like, you know, they moved on and they became successful and they like you know so they became the leaders of society let's say and when it doesn't mean that they were any better than the other children so it's just crazy
1: yeah and also something that contributes to that is is putting so many children of the same age in one classroom to compete against each other it's exactly like you said it's survival of the fittest model and it's like who who can win you know Mm -hmm. and who's better and who's gonna who's gonna be better than this one who's gonna compete against this one and it's just such an unhealthy way
0: it goes completely against what i want for my children you know i i like literally it's the opposite of the kind of education that i want my children to have in every way
1: so when you compare our system with other like high performance systems in other countries such as finland for example Uh, Finland has proven to be one of the top systems in in the world they're usually number one in like math science reading you know the basic the basic uh, subjects that you learn in school and after so much research they have found that number one Finland does not obsess about these subjects so the subjects that they're number one in they don't obsess about them and they don't uh require like children to be so on you know they're not so on top of the children when it comes to these subjects. Uh they are more interested in humanities, PE, physical education, and the arts. Like those are their main topics of of Wow. Yeah, what they value the most like in their curriculums. And they are not based on standardized testing. So there are standardized tests, but it's not like here like it's not like the the most important thing right it's not like the
0: determiner of their like success right it's
1: not it's like just like another test you know just to see where they're at and um believe it or not they have no dropout rate so they say wow there are no dropouts because instead that they help and support um they help and support the students. And so imagine
0: those are the things they take away first. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Vanessa, but no, those are good. the things that they take away first in schools, like yeah. PE and like the arts. Those are yeah. like,
1: yeah, those like, are not like, commodities. No, like they have no importance. And at the end of the day, it's oh. what is most important to move our bodies, to be active and to have passion for something. That's not just the standard subject. You know, like the arts brings out things and feelings and emotions in children that no book can ever bring out. No topic, you know, like no math or no science can ever bring out. The arts touches them in a, in a different
0: way. And the fact that it's, it's healthy, like for the brain, all these things are healthy for the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so in these... Other countries, for example, um, Australia is one of them, South Korea. In these countries, they're flourishing. They flourish when it comes to their education system. What is most important is individualized teaching and learning. So individualized teaching from the teacher and individualized learning for the child. The system must engage in the three human principles. Number one, differences within each child number two it must value curiosity and number three it must value creativity when those things are done we have a high performing system another thing that must be done is holding a very high status and standard for teachers um, offering them like constant support and not only constant support paying them a lot more then they're getting paid yes they deserve so much more yes they do and also allowing them to be creative and to bring their passion that they once had when they wanted to become a teacher bring in that passion yeah. into the classroom and not have it be suppressed uh, with all of this standardized
0: teaching stuff yeah and to have a voice Yes. Pipeline, you know, they have to follow it. And they should be the ones that are determining whatever it is that's coming down the pipeline. Because they know best they're in the classroom day to day. You know, if they listen to teachers more often, I think the the system would be completely different. Oh, for sure. And also
1: another thing with the in other countries with that with the high performing systems, um, the government doesn't control what happens in the classroom. So there's no mode of control from the government. Mm-hmm. Instead, the schools decide what gets taught and the schools decide based on wow. what the teachers and the students, because those are the people that need to be um, in charge of what's being taught, not the people sitting in the legislative buildings, you know, like they're, they have the no right yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's crazy. Absolutely. It yeah. makes sense. It just makes sense. All this that we were talking about was like from like what the late 1800s, early 1900s, right? So yes. it wasn't until 1964 that a fifth grade teacher named John Holt, okay um, you heard of John Holt? Oh yes. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> John Holt causes a stir with the publication of how children fail and this was a book about the shortcomings of formal education by the way i got this from (laughs) schmoop.com i had to say i think it's a funny name but it had good information so (laughs) um um a book so this was a book about the shortcomings of formal education. So it was a big stir because it was the first time that somebody was saying, hold on, w- hold up, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know if this is actually working. So, and that was in 1964. And then in 1972, there was a case, um, the Supreme Court, which was Wisconsin versus Yoder. And it was an Amish Amish parents who were fighting for their right to remove their children from school at the age of 12 in order to preserve their way of life, and they won. So they were granted that. And then that was an important case for just homeschooling in in the United States. And then in 1977, John Holt, again, he founded growing without schooling so this was a a magazine that was devoted to homeschooling unschooling and learning outside of school and it gets it got published for 24 years continuously until 2001 i thought that was interesting yeah
1: that's awesome those are awesome facts yeah homeschooling it wasn't it was a thing but it was mainly for predominantly christian families and um so most homeschoolers were were re- religious, and so they stayed home um and just practiced a lot of Bible study and a lot of that. And it wasn't until a John Holt started that revolutionary like uproar that mm-hmm. more families decided to to do it like more families that weren't just doing it for religious reasons, they were doing it for you know, mm-hmm. other reasons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it um, so the states actually began to pass laws allowing parents to homeschool without violating the truancy laws because there were truancy laws in place. And between 1982 and 1993, 34 states passed laws to legalize homeschooling. So it wasn't until 1993, though, that all 50 states made homeschooling a legal option. That was like yesterday that's crazy that to was me. Yesterday. <laughs> it wasn't even that's- legal in all the states until 1993 that was that's I was 10 years old when that happened yeah. imagine that. it's crazy and, and just a little thought- side note I know who would have thought that in 2020 2020-
1: a pandemic would take over the United States and everybody would be homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah, when that's... it was only legalized like that such yeah. so, so little years
0: ago. Yeah. Um. And a side note, only Nevada and Utah had homeschool legislation in place prior to 1982. So um, it, actually in 1956 Nevada passed a homeschooling law and Utah in 1957. So 30 years before everyone else. Nevada and Utah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I would have been living in Nevada.
1: Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It's I would have true.
0: moved over there. And then um, I also learned that homeschooling originally in the U.S. was practiced mainly underground or in like rural areas. Like it was not a thing that um, was practiced like after Uh, the movement of the public schools homeschooling was actually like taboo so and in the 1970s a lot of those books called attention to homeschooling and families began to homeschool their children and the last statistics that I could find said that in 2016 there was 2.3 million homeschoolers in the U.S. oh wow so yeah (laughs) there are (laughs) are so many more now I, I yeah yeah, yep I think I'm very curious to know what that number would be today yeah especially after everything that happened last year a lot of
1: families decided yeah. to just stay home
0: yeah yeah yep. Yeah. so when it comes
1: to a system that's designed to build leaders the school system is not that so it suppresses your individual thoughts and then you go off when you are 18 you go off into the world and wonder like what do I want to do who am I you're just lost and you're confused and that's why so many so many kids who graduate high school they're left with like a blank stare they're like okay now what like who do I listen to now well who do I follow and Mm -hmm. so they go off and get jobs um where they are just following and they just end up following their entire lives now there are exceptions to this rule there are there are people who go through the system and end up becoming leaders because it can stem from different things, because of really good parenting, um, or because their inner voice was so strong that and they knew to listen to it instead of just authority figures who who are supposed to be you know leading and guiding you. Yeah, there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part it's not designed to build leaders. It's not designed to build leaders, but there are people who get away with it basically and do become leaders.
0: Yeah. I think leaders, when I think of a leader, I think of somebody who, who knows what they want. Somebody who's confident. I think of somebody who is able to express themselves. Somebody who, you know, you could say is a go-getter who knows what they want. And, I think that the school, the educational system could do a better job about making more people that way because just playing the, you know, both sides here, some people might say, well, we need those people that. Have you heard that before? Because I know Mm -hmm. I've heard that before Like people say like, well, we need people to flip burgers and Burger King. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that to have a functional society. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what people say that we need those people. But those people that flip burgers, like why can't they still be creative? Why can't they still be able to communicate? Like these are things that are missing that it's not necessarily leaders that we're we're saying that the system can't create. It's uh, people who have these leader like qualities, these people who have, you know, confidence, mm-hmm. people who can think for themselves, like that's what we're missing. And I think that's affected a lot, like just common sense in general. Like I hear it all the time. Um, you know, my my husband and my dad run a business together and we you know they're hiring people all the time and i hear all the time like it just seems like the the people that are in the workforce today the people that you try to hire like they they don't they don't have common sense they can't think for themselves and i think that the the system it really does create this in people i think that's what's missing yeah
1: yeah you're absolutely right about that because you're right you don't have to be a leader in the sense of your occupation or what the or you know, what, what it is that you do, because you could be the happiest, like, most creative, curious human being that flips burgers, because you like to flip burgers. Yes. <laughs> or because if that's you need what to you earn money. Do,
0: like, that's you, you do that. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, for sure. Or because
1: you're trying to earn money to, you know, to start your own business. And yeah, whatever that you want to do, right, you're right. It's what's instilled in the actual individual person. And you know what creates their character, and, and I have the same the same issue with our business. But we also have a business, and when we hire, it's it's true. Like there's no, it's it's a lack of common sense and also a lack of empathy um, for others mm-hmm. and compassion for others. And it's just a very prominent um, pattern that I see in so 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 many individuals and and we hire young you know we hire young probably fresh out of out of high school or or
0: college and so it's 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 obvious you know it's obvious it is it is and I think that that's more like what I wish for our education system or the education system in the U.S. is to create People who can think for themselves, who are creative, who are not afraid to express themselves and who can thrive and be who they feel they want to be. Thanks for listening to the Life Schooling podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion into the history of education and homeschooling in America. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Life Schooling Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen. That's all for this episode, folks. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.